Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Greetings, true believers. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's right. Instead of a bunch of old middle-aged guys talking about stuff that's so long ago that you don't remember it, we're going to be a bunch of middle-aged guys sitting around talking about stuff that's old, but you do remember it because it's only like nine years old. It's not like there aren't any podcasts that talk about it, but we're going to be one of them. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at MagHuge. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash magnificentlyhuge, or you can email us magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We are still trying to build our listenership. We actually have some listeners, according to uh, FeedBurner. So please, go to iTunes, go to the podcast app on your iPhone, go to Stitcher, leave us uh, glowing reviews. Five stars it helps us build an audience, and the more of you there are, the more pressure there is on us and you want to hear us crack under pressure so bring it on all right let's get going with episode 14 of the magnificently huge podcast this is phase one of the marvel cinematic universe welcome everybody once again to the magnificently huge podcast podcasters assemble i'm brian i'm eric i'm chris (laughs) this time we're going to talk about something a little more current well i guess at this point we're going to be going back about nine years but before we get to that we always start each show with something that is current we start with something fresh this shit is fresh fresh. chris why don't you start us off with uh with some fresh shit As Synchronicity would have it, the Defender show started on Netflix this weekend, Ah. which is the culmination of the Netflix Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so I started watching that, and that's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist teaming up to fight something. I'm still not sure. There's four episodes <laughs> in, and they're taking their sweet-ass time. I think they need, like, a speed-watching version for these Net- Marvel Netflix shows. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, is this one apparently is is only eight episodes, whereas the rest so far have been around 13. And the 13-episode arcs just kill me because they're way too long. And so they end up throwing a lot of padding, and so I get really tired midway through because they lose sight of the story, and then they fill it with a bunch of crap, and then they, oh, wait, no, 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 we got a story to tell, so they'll come back to it. And The Defenders is only eight episodes, apparently. And I I watched the first episode, and it's sort of all the perfunctory, hey, we got to get everybody together. And so they're sort of slowly drawing in all of their stories from all of the previous shows. And about a midway through the first episode, I thought, oh, Jesus, it's not, nothing's going to click until about episode four, I can tell. Mm, yeah. And then, sure enough, nothing clicked until episode four. <laughs> I'm on the fence, but frankly, uh, it's not very good. Oh. Is Jessica Jones any good in it? I know she, that was easily my favorite of those shows. And I'm wondering if she saves the Defenders. I think she's better in her solo show. Uh, I was watching with my wife, who's never watched any of the other Marvel stuff on Netflix, and she, to her credit, uh, stuck through most of what I was watching, but (laughs) towards the end, it was just unbearable heckling. 
uh, all of the wooden acting and the stuff that didn't make sense and why right. This but what was your wife stupid. doing? <laughs> oh, oh boy, it's a classic. They say that joke is going away, but I don't think it ever will. It's like the sitcom; it just always comes back. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, God will get you for that, Brian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm deeply concerned because in the last episode we were doing 70s TV and and we were able to use a laugh track. <laughs> And I think it helped, and I don't know if it makes any sense to keep using it. <laughs> well, I think we should only save it for when we actually say something funny. See, I was mostly using it to cover for jokes that didn't land. <laughs> <laughs> so every time no. Eric opened his mouth, basically. No, no, no. For, for, like, for like sarcastic bits, like, like Chris just did, you got to use the one... Whoa. That one, like when somebody <laughs> said that Fonzie was uncool, you used that one. Uh, so, Eric, got anything fresh for us this week? I took your advice on how you said that Iron Fist was lame, and I started watching Iron Fist, and it's kind of lame. Here's my impression of the show Iron Fist, uh-huh. and you don't have to really watch the show. This is all you need to know. The main character always says this. I'm Danny Rand. <laughs> and then there's action and action action. What's going on? What's going on? I'm Danny Rand. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Literally, that's the show. All right. He just repeats his name over and over and over and over. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Hit somebody. And it's the whole fish out of water, you know, hi, I haven't been in New York since I was a child, but this kid wasn't a complete moron. But now he's, he's showing up in New York like he doesn't understand what building security is. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And it's a lot of accounting and a lot of lawyering. I mean, it's it's like what? LA law in New York with punching. And not even a lot of punching. A lot of a lot of office situations and uh depositions and I'm like three or four episodes in and I'm like uh, uh, yeah, you got a ways to go. But uh, the choreography <laughs> never the choreography never ever picks up. Anytime that yeah. guy's in a fight scene, it looks like uh like Ed Wood making yeah. Iron Fist. Just- now that that first season of Daredevil, when they do that single shot of him beating the shit out of the Russian mafia guys in one long take, yeah, mm-hmm. that was genius. You would think somebody would look at that and go, you know, all that stuff that worked in Daredevil, do that. <laughs> nope, they haven't even done that in Defenders. Frankly, uh, it took them four episodes to get the team together, and then there's like a ten minute group fight at the end of that episode, and it's really poorly executed. Mm. And then Sigourney Weaver, I still have no idea what the hell she's doing in it, except that she's the baddie. I think this is actually going to play in well to today's topic, because I always thought before the Avengers happened, I was like, this is all going to be lame because we're expected to like this. Basically. (laughs) Nobody asked for it, but by God, you're going to have it. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's clamoring for this, but here you go. Again, I've got like a long list of shit this week. First of all, just a public service announcement. I I did a bunch of research. I was looking for a proper cloud backup solution. I had another relative get ransomwared. And so I was looking for, okay, I've got to get serious about backups. So I bought the family plan for a year for like $150 for a company called Crash Plan. Spent a week backing up two terabytes worth of shit and got an email today saying, yeah, we're canceling the consumer version and you could transfer it to the corporate version for way more money or... We're just not going to exist in a year. So I'm, fuck crash plan. Uh, So there's your public service announcement. Don't give them money. (laughs) Uh, I did, we were looking for something funny to watch on Netflix. And we're finding that my wife and I are feeling like we're just kind of too old for a lot of these shows. We really aren't looking for love and, you know. Don't tell me you watch Schindler's List. Don't tell me you watch Schindler's List. No, we watched Glow. 
and we binged ah, the shit out of that thing. We, I told like, you. In two evenings, went through the entire series, and yeah, it was definitely yeah. worth the recommendation. It's kooky fun. Mark Marin is great. Mark Marin is amazing. I was hearing stories about the making of it and basically he came in and his character is essentially some sort of coke addict and the way it was written they were doing this the scenes and he basically looked at the writers like no no because apparently Marin was kind of a cokehead back in the day and he's like this <laughs> he's like this is how this is how it would really go down so everything you see him doing on the show is basically him just being him as a cokehead <laughs> which made it even funnier <laughs> to me <laughs> Um, I have a video game recommendation. I picked up for 20 bucks, uh, Sonic Mania, which may very well be the best Sonic video game ever made. Um, for those that don't know, that's the Hedgehog. That, that the is Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog, not the other Sonic. It's not Sonic the Restaurant. Yes. The thing that they did with this that I thought was really smart, Sega has been struggling with how to make a good Sonic game for years and years. They even approached us at Factor 5 once and said, what would your version of Sonic be? And we didn't have a good idea, so we we didn't try. What they did here is they, they went to the fan community. A bunch of guys have been making ROM hacks and mods, and they had Sonic down cold, and they had the mechanics down cold, and they basically said, okay, you guys are the guys who really love this thing and who really like get the details you make the next sonic game and they totally did and it's amazing it's constantly full of surprises and it's very much got the old 16-bit graphics but with some modern touches one of the things they do that i care about and i'm the only one who cares about in these retro games is a lot of the games that do the pixel art uh, aesthetic when they rotate a sprite the sprite rotates and the pixels rotate with it and that's just wrong the pixels should not rotate and in this game they don't and then finally, I went to Logan Lucky this weekend. Uh, I was going to go see that. How was it? Um, It was good. It was not quite what I was expecting. It's a heist film, and it's a hillbilly heist film. They even, within the movie, they call it Ocean's 7-Eleven, <laughs> which it basically is. There's a lot of recurring people from our podcast in it. Is Val Kilmer in it? Not to my knowledge. Okay. But Katie Holmes is in it, and she was in Batman Begins, and Daniel Craig is in it, and he was James Bond. Wait, wait, which Bond was he? I'm kidding. You suck. <laughs> uh, Adam Driver was Kylo Ren from Star Wars. So a couple things. First of all, the Katie Holmes character has absolutely no purpose in the movie whatsoever. She has no arc. She doesn't drive any part of the plot. I don't know why she was there. That sounds like every Katie Holmes role ever, though. I know that Soderbergh made this film to test out a new method of financing and distributing films. And it really just feels like he got a bunch of his buddies together. Channing Tatum is the lead. Channing Tatum from Magic Mike. Adam Driver, I'm sorry, he's kind of, he's fucked now because I cannot look at him in any role without seeing Kylo Ren. He's <laughs> he's putting on a southern accent. He's playing a, a hick. He's got a a fake arm and all I see is the the Saturday Night Live sketch where Kylo Ren is the undercover boss like that's all I can see now see I still just see the guy from Girls the 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 crazy boyfriend kind of slacker angry guy you gotta watch Girls even watching Star Wars I was like that's the guy from Girls do I gotta yeah you don't have to do shit (laughs) (laughs) what am I saying gotta that's an expression you know but but it's a heist film in which there are really no complications with the heist, like things don't go wrong, which was weird. Isn't that like the first yeah. rule of a heist movie, though? Yeah, and they even call it you out. You have to have crap go wrong in order to make it interesting. <laughs> well, what they do instead is they don't lay out the master plan. They just let it unfold in front of you, but 
I'm constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it doesn't. Hmm. It also ends like three times, which is which, it kind of has that Return of the King. There's like several points <laughs> where it could have ended, and just suddenly keeps going. Thank you for dredging that up. I had to go to the bathroom for 40 minutes at the end of that movie, and every time I thought I was free, <laughs> it would start a new ending, and I almost peed myself. So, I think that wraps it up for the fresh shit. Fresh goes better. Fresh is Let's get to the stale shit. So this week, uh, we're here to talk about phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Marvel has ruined cinema as we know it by getting all of the studios excited about creating shared universes and serialized movies. But these were the movies that set that up, and it really wasn't a foregone conclusion that it would work when these first came out. They took a big risk. I don't care that this killed movies because movies were already kind of dying, but it killed geek culture. I mean, there was a time when knowing something about comics gave you some kind of street cred, but now everyone knows all of this junk and it's just not special. (laughs) There's other things you can be geeky about at this point, but yeah, everyone's kind of got a fandom anymore. Well, that's the thing. You kind of have to. You have to be really into that one specific manga comic and that, you know, in order to have anything that's your own. I don't mind that they've done it because I didn't really read comic books much as a kid anyway. Uh, I was more like Mad Magazine. That was my thing. And they're not about to make a, an extending universe out of Mad Magazine. So this is all I got. But that would be well, hilarious. <laughs> wouldn't it though? Let's talk about this. I want to start with the character of Iron Man. Oh, let's. Iron Man is where the cinematic universe kicks off in 2008. And we'll just cover Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Uh, but when did you see these movies and what was your history with the character? What were your expectations? That kind of thing. I saw them both opening day and I was just peripherally aware of the character. That's where I think they took a big risk because it's basically historically a second tier character. And so the idea that they put him up front and center for this whole new thing was ballsy. Really ballsy. Well, they didn't have a choice. All the good characters were licensed to other studios, right? Pretty much. Eric, what about you? What was your what was your I remember uh like almost a decade earlier, Tom Cruise did a press release where he was developing Iron Man <laughs> in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Really? And there was like a oh whole thing, a whole like junket. It was like a big deal. I think maybe the second Mission Impossible had not come out just yet. But yeah, he was going to be Tony Stark. And I remember thinking, ah, that's interesting. This sounds like when Nick Cage was going to be Superman in Tim Burton's version. Well, that actually got to the stage of, you know, like costuming and script development. This was more like a uh, a floater to see if they could get financing or if there was interest in it. And then it just went away. And my understanding was that when they were developing it, uh, he he was adamant that you had to be able to see his face in the Iron Man costume, not getting what the Iron Man suit is. I think you're Iron Man for Christ's sake. Those 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 eye slits are iconic. And yeah, didn't hear anything about it. And then saw the trailer, the Comic Con trailer that got released. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my my thought was, oh shit, they're finally going to do this right. You know, after all of these years, there. So you had read the comics, yeah. Not not religiously, not like, you know, every month, but I, I was up on Iron Man, and so I was into it. Well, I was intrigued because basically the whole character arc for Tony Stark is just that he's this jackass alcoholic, mm-hmm. and I thought, that's just a really interesting choice to... Typecasting. 
Yeah. So yeah. They, they got Downey, uh, who honestly knocked it out of the park. I mean, let's be real. I don't think there would be any Marvel universe. Especially since they had no yeah. script. There was no, and there was nothing on paper for that film. It was almost all improv and just sort of formed. And I, I you know, which is also why T- T- Terrence Howard got booted because he, he, he was like, this is fucking crazy. How come we don't have a script? I understand he, he wanted way more money for the second one, which is a shame. I really liked his take on Rhodey. Well, the thing is that, that when they did the first one, he was coming off of that hustle and flow or whatever it was called, where the three, six mafia got the Oscar for it's hard out here for a pimp. I'm trying to have things, but it's hard for a pimp, but I'm praying and I'm hoping to God I don't slip. So he was way more bankable than Downey. He made like two or three times the amount of what Downey made. Yep. I think Downey only made like 500 grand for the whole movie. Mm. But then when it went bonkers gangbusters and everybody loved it and they decided to do Iron Man 2, uh, they decided to give Downey his deserved pay raise, but it was coming out of Terrence Howard's pocket so that they wouldn't you know, fuck up the budget or whatever. And so Terrence Howard basically yep. just said, eat, eat a dick, I'm out of here. And they got Don Cheadle. No, they got Captain Planet. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's Remember, true. turn off the faucet between usages and recycle those plastics. Or else, I'll turn you into a fucking tree. <laughs> I didn't actually see the first Iron Man first. I skipped it entirely. What did you see first? I saw Incredible Hulk first. We'll get to that one. But <laughs> Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk. No, um, Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Incredible Hulk. In 2008, Hulk. like my whole Incredible Hulk. My Shut whole up. world was blowing up in 2008, so I just I wasn't into it. I hadn't ever read the comics. I was never interested in the character. You know, I'd seen him in comic panels and just did not care. So Iron Man to me was just a nothing. I didn't I didn't bother with it. But I had been a Hulk comics fan, so that's where I got on the train and I ended up seeing Iron Man on DVD after I saw Iron Man 2. So for me, Iron Man 2 might have been a better experience because I didn't have the first movie to compare it with. That's fair. Hmm. Well, with Iron Man, though, what sort of sticks in my craw about it is that there's not really any villain in it, per se. Oh, but his name is Obadiah Steen. I know, and it's a bald... (laughs) That is a (laughs) villain name. It's Bald Lebowski, which is odd in and of itself. (laughs) Uh, And then I didn't know until this week that the big suit that he's in was an actual thing called Ironmonger. Ironmonger, yeah. That he fights. Yeah. Uh, So that shows you how in touch I am with it. And that first Iron Man costume that he escapes in is the Golden Age version of the Iron Man costume. And wasn't the the comic, it was set in Vietnam, and like the Viet Cong captured him, and then that's where that all starts. And they had to sort of of Uh, tweak it for the, the modern era. They, th- I think that m- that might have been later on because Iron Man's older than that. Is he? Where he did go though, they was they were trying to set up the ten rings, and they they were there. You know, they had the little symbol in the background, which was supposed to be a Mandarin thing. And I don't know if they fumbled that or not. We'll get to that in Phase Two some year when we get around to that. But that was where this movie just lost me. I didn't buy for a second the whole building the Iron Man Mark One suit sequence. It just sucked, and I. I didn't think the terrorists were so stupid that he could build it and they wouldn't see that he wasn't building a <laughs> yeah, missile. Yeah, they, they kept looking in oh. on the screen. Where's the missile? I don't see the missile. It's like, oh, I just come on, see a man. big 
man-shaped thing. Yeah, (laughs) Everything about that sequence, just I couldn't go along for the ride on the incredulity. Well, you kind of have to suspend your belief anyway, because later when you get the thing where he's switching out the little mini arc reactor thing on his chest with the new improved one, and Gwyneth Paltrow is all reaching in this weird cavity, I'm like, that's a that's a fucking metal disc in a hole in your fucking sternum, dude. I'm like, this just how does your chest not just collapse in on itself? Well, that even that didn't make sense. So this thing is keeping the shards out of his heart. Like, if it's an electromagnet, wouldn't they stick to it? And then if he can pull it out of his chest, aren't the shards out oh, of his sh- chest? Sh- and he's, sh- 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 none of it worked. Don't question it. Just go with it. Okay, so I guess I'll have to tell a, a video game development story just to explain this reference, but. We were making a video game about dragons, you know, fire-breathing friggin' dragons, and we actually got into an argument where one of the senior people at the company got really upset because, you know, we're talking about different fire-breathing powers the dragons might have, and the guy's just like, no, we won't do that because a real dragon wouldn't do that. And I'm like, (laughs) they're fucking fire-breathing dragons! They do what we say they do. <laughs> so if I ever say a real dragon wouldn't do that or a real Iron Man wouldn't do that, that's that's what I'm referencing. Yeah, fuck you and the unicorn you rode in on. Well, the thing the thing that gets me about yeah. Iron Man all just as a character though is that it's an obvious ripoff of Batman. So it's you know the rich guy that discovers his calling and goes after whatever whatever and so that sort of sets up all of these weird ripoffs because a lot of the dc stuff happened way before marvel sort of kicked into gear in the 60s well, he's also james bond though yeah. right he's like a drinking womanizing you know yeah egotistical guy now he doesn't have that yeah. much interest he doesn't have that much interest in doing anything it's it's just it's more about the the invention that that he's into but the thing with marvel again that always differentiates it from dc is that marvel is more internal it's more about the characters and what's eating at them whereas dc they're all godlike they're all overpowered Mm, they mm -hmm. the the issue is never them it is always the big enormous thing outside and the other fun thing too and this is sort of slowly dawned on me as i've seen more of these mcu movies but what's sort of refreshing, especially about this phase one, where they do all of the, the main origin stories to get to the Avengers, none of these characters are hiding who they are. It's like, it's just, hey, this yeah. is, I've got my shit, and I'm badass. There's like no secret identities yeah, in the MCU, none. certainly not in phase one. Yeah, none whatsoever. And I thought, that's kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. You don't get I the, really like that. Well, there's one. I mean, well, Spider-Man, right? There's phase one. one. Well, that, he's not in phase there's one. There's one. You're thinking Incredible Hulk. Did- Incredible Hulk. Incredible no, Hulk. He's, yeah, no, he's fully he's hiding. Banner, though. No, no, that's not true. They see they. Well, anyone who knows Bruce Banner knows he's the Incredible Hulk, but he's still running around trying to keep hidden. <laughs> well, all I can hear is the piano theme from the show right now. So you talk amongst yourselves. Well, let's just. You know what? Incredible Hulk was the second film. So let's, but let's not get, chronologically. Let's Do you follow like the, the the Star Wars thing where you have to what? watch them in the the order of how they happen? I thought it and was chronologically. No, no, it's it came after Iron Man. But if you look at the events in the the cinematic universe, uh, I think Incredible Hulk happens either before Iron Man or like after Iron Man two or no, some shit. There's no, some there's some tweak. Robert Downey Jr. That shows makes up no in sense. The credit scene of uh, we'll get yeah. to the credit scenes, but. But I thought these things, and were some, for some reason, it, 
And for some reason, at the end of Hulk, uh, Tony Stark is in charge of uh, the Avenger Initiative. Yeah. If that, which you know, makes no sense, considering later on he can't even get in it. <laughs> like in the next movie, he's they they don't want him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with the last thing I want to say about Iron Man is because this, and we will probably touch on villains. I expect at some point. But yep. With Iron Man, like every single Iron Man movie so far has basically been Tony Stark fighting some version of himself. Yep. Yeah. Which is great on a thematic level, but by Iron Man 3, I was really kind of fucking tired of it, and I I wanted them to move on. It rolled through even to like Avengers Age of Ultron, etc. So now every time Iron Man is on the screen, it's just like, well, what ro- robot is he going to fight now? What did Tony yeah. fuck up now that <laughs> yeah, he has yeah. to fight? So yeah, what did, what did this mad genius create that's going to run amok that he's got to go tame and then feel guilty for until he eats shawarma? That's yeah. basically it. I will say of Iron Man, uh, whatever my you know, opinions of the other Marvel movies, th- it was really tight. I think it was you know, it was a great film on its own. I think everything else that followed is frankly going to drag it down, but uh, I liked it. I still think it's the, the most fun. You brought up the villains. We might as well just hit that because it's, it's going to be hard to avoid talking about it. But yeah, every... Marvel movie seems to have a villain who is a dark mirror of the protagonist. Yeah, right. Come on, in Marvel. Iron Man One, it's it's uh, Iron Monger. In Iron Man Two, it's uh, Whiplash, but not really. It's really the guy who was almost cast as Tony Stark, um, Justin Hammer, whatever the actor's name was. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was up for the role at one point. Interesting. Of Tony Stark. I, that might have been interesting. I kind of like his patter, but I didn't. I didn't yeah. like Mickey Rourke. Because he's had too much plastic surgery, and he kind of looks like Frankenstein now to me. And I think he was supposed to be—he was like a mix of Whiplash and Dynamo. <laughs> what the hell is Dynamo? Oh, he's the Russian Iron Man. Seriously, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, gotta read more comics. He was a lame villain. I didn't really give a shit about Whip. I mean, he looked great. Like I saw the trailers for that. I'm like, okay, that looks like a cool villain. And he has powers that could counter Iron Man's, and then it just didn't, yeah, didn't land. Uh, okay, the the problem there lands squarely with Justin Thoreau, who wrote it, and it's less about the villains or any of that stuff than it is about this rant, Ayn Rand kind of statement on I don't know personal freedom versus the common good. Because the whole time, they want that Iron Man suit. Well, I'm not going to give it to you. It's what makes me special. And so the bad guy makes a bunch of Iron Man suits. I read somewhere, and it's an interesting point, that in the all the Iron Man movies, it's Pepper Potts that ends up saving Tony Stark every time. <laughs> so she basically does the explodey thing at the end of Iron Man 1 where Iron Margaret falls through the floor. So she's like Inspector Gadget's niece. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. So now every time I see Iron Man, I'm just going to go... That's good. So our, our dark mirror in the Hulk is the Abomination. Our dark mirror in Captain America is the Red Skull. And then in Thor, it's Loki. And then in the Avengers, it's yeah. Loki. Loki. Actually, Loki, that's one of the things about Avengers, and I kind of want to save Avengers for last, but I will say that's one of the things I think that works about it is it doesn't have a dark mirror antagonist for change. Or does it? Which one? The Avengers. The Avengers. Oh, it does. It's just very low-key. You went there, ladies and gentlemen. Um... Okay, I guess we might as well stick with Iron Man 2 uh, and get Iron Man out of it. Uh, this is where we introduced 
Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. Best part of the movie. Apparently Emily Blunt was originally cast as Black Widow and had to drop out because she was doing Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, I read that and I thought, man. But she did do Sicario years later uh, and Edge of Tomorrow, which are both really solid work movies. I think she's okay. That Black Widow fight sequence, again, best part of the movie probably. Just Absolutely. You know, but I always like any movie where it's a woman kicking ass. It's it's not some kind of, you know, weird feminist thing. It's just, it's different, you know, to have this woman just knock the shit out of all these yeah. guys. Well, she, uses, she uses a lot more gizmos and gadgets in Iron Man 2 than she will in future movies. Yeah, it's because she gets more badass, that's why. My favorite moment in the whole film is after she's kicked the ass of all these guys and she's walking away from them and the one guy comes out from the doorway or whatever and without looking sprays him in the face with the mace. Yep. That was, well, that like, was fun. I like that John Favreau as, uh, whatever his name is. Happy Hogan. Yeah, who's, who's a wannabe pugilist. Is, is spends the entire time fighting the one guy and then is so pleased with himself when he knocks him out and then you look back and it's all of Black Widow's carnage. Gary Shandling appears in Iron Man 2 and that pays off later in Phase 2. It does, um, yes. And in the first two Iron Man movies, Phil Coulson appears in both of them and I actually had forgotten that. I had thought that he first showed up in Thor but he's in Iron Man 1 and 2. Oh yeah, briefly. and he was he yeah. was... Not supposed to be such a big role, but they liked him, so he becomes the audience stand-in through the whole thing. So he's the glue of Phase 1, if you will. Captain America's shield appears in Iron Man 2, at least a version of it. Yep. And, okay, I, I have to say this. The deus ex machina at the end of Iron Man 2, I mean, they didn't improvise Iron Man 2, did they? But No. Oh, my God. <laughs> What the fuck? So the the layout of his Stark Expo back in the day is somehow the formula for a new element that's going to allow Tony to, like, no, no, all of it doesn't work. <laughs> well, I also like when he wouldn't do that. I like when he's building it, too, and he's, he's, like, moving the mirror as the laser beam or whatever is working its way into the thing, and it's just destroying everything, but it's not, like, slicing through the foundation of his home. And having everything collapse on top of them. It's like they just sort of stop short of of being overtly ridiculous, but it's still pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I think, again, it's metaphorical for him owning his success or something. And I, I found that irritating. Mm-hmm. It was too top-heavy with thinking. Well, they, yeah, they crammed a lot <laughs> in there. And that's that's sort of the the main issue with it is there's just so much going on. And I think by Iron Man two, Marvel has sort of realized that, Hey, we got a thing going here. Yeah. And so that's when they start dropping in all of the, the stuff that's going to play out in later and later movies. People criticize Iron Man two for that. I don't, I, I respect it. I'm fine with that. I just thought that the movie itself didn't work on its own terms. Well, um, well, that's sort of the first taste well, no, I guess it's not the first taste because it really picked up in Incredible Hulk. But that's when I start to see that Marvel is so obsessed with, for lack of a better term, uh, disaster porn. Because every mm-hmm, fucking yeah. movie they do ends up with just larger and larger swaths of urban destruction. Uh, and yeah. they don't even address the collateral damage in any realistic way. They just kind of move on, and everybody's happy. But it's you know oh, by they, f- they finally got around to it in in Spider Man really, but that's way in the future for yeah. for where we're talking. Um, I want to go back to Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk. Doctor Banner, Delta Pajama 
So that movie comes out. It was started before I, they took seriously the possibility of doing the cinematic universe because Iron Man hadn't hit yet. It was at Universal Studios, um, which is one of the reasons why they haven't made any more standalone Hulk movies as Universal still has those rights. And it was directed by the guy that made mm-hmm. Transporter. I'm a huge Hulk fan, as I've said on multiple occasions. Me too. The one before that, that... Um, Ang Lee? The Ang Lee one was almost was almost really good. I mean, it took it seriously. It didn't just throw a Hulk at you because you're watching a, a you know, monster movie. And when he does show up, it makes sense. I, I I loved everything about that movie except the ending was basically I don't know how to end this fucking thing, right? Yeah, well, that the ending the sucked, fact, and the Hulk dogs sucked. The Hulk dogs sucked, and then the fact that yeah. he just keeps growing exponentially, larger and larger, as he gets angrier and angrier. Well, no, as he gets more injured, the the tissue regrows around. Oh, is whatever, that what it is? You know, it's like if he gets shot. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a scientific basis. Sorry. If you watch when they shoot him with the automatic weapon gun rifle things, as they're popping off him, he's growing because of it. It's scar tissue. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so yeah, when they get to, I just want to say that because when we get to the Incredible Hulk, which is part of the MCU, I don't think it's as good as that first one. I mm. think the effects are much worse. That's what I don't get. The, oh, the, no. The no. second Hulk is so much worse than the one from the Ang Lee no, film. I'm you haven't looked on that at the one. Ang Lee footage in a while then, because yeah. no. I, I would disagree with you on that one too, Eric. Really? Really? Because it was yeah, just like... He, the Ang Lee Hulk looks like Stretch Armstrong nowadays. It doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. It looks like, you grab that arm, I'll grab this one. But I guess that makes more sense to me than the sort of like ripply, veiny, not likely Hulk. They actually summarized the first Hulk movie in the opening of The Incredible Hulk. They yeah. they they kind of make the first mm-hmm. movie canon almost. Yeah, they were kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Too kind. They did. They left in uh the Rosses and their whole thing, the father-daughter thing. Well, Jennifer Jennifer Connelly's character is now played by Liv Tyler. And both of them have the same blank expression through each movie. Uh, I don't know if that's an acting choice or if that's actually how the character is written. I could not tell. They really came out swinging with the fan service on this movie, though, right? Like, for those of you who grew up on the TV show, they, you know, they brought in a lot of that thematic stuff. They brought in the literal musical theme. Uh, (laughs) I forgot about that, They cast Edward Norton was that he resembled Bill Bixby. Uh, Lou Ferrigno did have a cameo in Ang Lee's Hulk, but he was also emphasized here and actually did the voice of Hulk well, in this was, movie. It was an amalgam. And they had Abomination for the comic fans. They, they, they really went like all in on, if you're a Hulk fan, the things that you're supposed to like are in this movie, so like it, damn it. So, Eric, you were, it sounded like you were saying you prefer the Ang Lee Hulk. What were your impressions of the, the Incredible Hulk film? I don't think they did anything terribly new. Uh, I I just remember when I think of the Hulk movie, I'm always going back to the Ang Lee film, the when he's like gripping the back of the plane and they take the plane up into the stratosphere and he you know to to shake him off, or the bit with the Golden Gate Bridge or the helicopter fight in the desert. It's like all this really badass shit happened in the other movie. Well, what happened in this movie? Um, the guy from Reservoir Dogs shoots at him. That's but you know, he, but he keeps doing it. It's just dumb. Yeah, it's just it's just lame and stupid and dumb. Uh, hmm. I <laughs> I don't have anything really 
constructive to say about this film, except it was disappointing. Um, I know they were going to bring in Hulk Brain with um, what's his name from Oh Brother Where Tim Art Thou? Blake Nelson um, was yeah. going to be the leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were setting stuff up. They just you know didn't bother continuing. I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much. It seemed too easy. I wanted I, I wanted to like it more than I did. Um, I thought that they they hit a lot of the right notes, but I also think that they understand. The biggest problem with a Hulk movie in general is it's a movie about a character who doesn't want to do the one thing the whole audience wants to watch him do, mm-hmm. which is Hulk out. Which is, again, what made the uh, Ang Lee film better because he was directly at war with that version of himself. So apparently David Duchovny was considered for the role at one point. I didn't know that. Hmm. And apparently Mark <laughs> Ruffalo was considered as well before they went with uh Mark Ruffalo is so boring too. That's another thing. He's he's just so boring. He is so incredibly boring. I wanted a quick audiobook so I grabbed the Bernie Sanders book. Half of it is Bernie Sanders reading it and it's really wonderful and then the other half is Mark Ruffalo reading and I fell asleep. <laughs> like not in bed. On my couch, I fell over asleep. He's so boring. So while we're on the topic of boring Marvel things, let's talk about Thor. Yes, let's. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Thor. I will tell you now that... Uh, this is my wife's favorite one of the bunch. Really? Uh, and that is uh, 99%. Justify that. Well, that's 99% Chris Hemsworth and 1% Loki. Okay, fair enough. Oh, no, I take that back. I take that back. There's some Heimdall in there, too. She's a big Idris Elba fan. I, I think Kenneth Branagh did a good job with the spectacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was that kind of problem where you are you go home whistling the sets. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like there's anything much deeper than how it looked. The setup for this is Kenneth Branagh directs Thor. So I'm like, cool, they're going to go full on Shakespearean with it. And then you see the art and you see the design of Asgard. And then they set the whole thing in shithole, Texas, which has got like one street. At, or New Mexico or wherever the f- who cares where it was hey that's, that's I went New- to go see Shakespeare in Asgard and I got you got the land of entrapment it's fucking Sonoran desert yeah but he had really? to have his ass handed to him he was he was full of himself he had too much hubris and so he had to be thrown out of the uh, cool Shakespeare in Asgard here's here's a, this is what I forgot to mention on Incredible Hulk as an aside because this is where it starts um <laughs> So Incredible Hulk reminds me of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then when you get to Thor, uh, it reminds, it's basically a total ripoff of Superman 2. How is Thor a ripoff of Superman 2? Because he loses his, power, his powers away? He loses his powers. He's got to find out what it's like to be mortal. And then he emerges as a much better person for it. And then destroys yeah. a lot of shit fighting his fellow super beings. I believe it. Um, so it's, it. it's just too too many shades of Superman two in it for me to really take it seriously. There's something very wrong with Chris Hemsworth's eyebrows or beard or his skin tone. He just looks like he looks like he's from the Uncanny Valley. He looks like a poorly rendered CG character, and he's just a guy. Like I don't know if they got the hair color wrong or the makeup or what, but it's creepy wrong. What kills me about it though is you get if you've ever seen the Honest Trailers version for Thor. 
they do the whole butt, and then it's basically they spend a lot of time going and Chris Hemworth's abs, <laughs> and this is basically all you all you can talk talk about after that. I mean, we it'll come on TV, and my wife has it timed to when Chris Hemsworth is going to be in there with no shirt on. She's got the same schedule for <laughs> Casino Royale when uh, Bond comes out of the water in the little blue tidy trunks. Right. Uh, she just inherently knows when it's on TV, like when it's going to hit, and then she's all the, the man Ursula Andress. Yeah, basically. Uh, so Thor is pretty much her her eye candy. Yeah. Uh, so she's always game to watch it. I remember also this is around the time they were really pushing. We're setting up a universe. You know, really, we mm-hmm. haven't had to put up with that shit yet. We just had we had an Iron Man, and then we had a Hulk. And there was a little tie in there that was interesting at the end of Hulk, but not a whole lot. Now they're talking about we're going to make this one great big Marvel world. Right. So they bring in Hawkeye. We get Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 is disappointing, frankly, compared to the first one. And I start thinking, you know what? This thing is going to go tits up. They're, they're going to yep. put too much in this, like like a film about Captain America, which was completely silly before they pulled it off. And Thor, we'll get which nobody knew about except for adventures and babysitting. And these things are going to have to carry this whole deal. I was sure that these two movies were going to just die and the whole thing was going to be forgotten. Oh, Thor is so silly. You talk about uh, Incredible Hulk being the where they spend the whole movie not having him do the one thing that you want to see him do, which is be the Hulk. And the, the same problem is afflicted on Thor, where it's, hey, let's right. do the, the most powerful superhero we've got in our entire canon uh that we're working with and hey let's spend half the movie where he can't do anything but just blunder around like a goofus uh it's just it's a weird take on it i just don't understand that decision for them to to do that uh because it really takes you out of the movie frankly and the big robot thing was dumb looking like that that is cheesy as hell. I think the reason you have to do that, I mean, because they didn't just go straight to he has no powers. They had to do a little bit of him doing some ice creature butt kicking uh, so that you could see this is one of those those superheroes that's overpowered that, you know, can basically take out anybody. So you need to remove his powers in order t- for them to be some kind of stakes, I guess. Again, stakes. There are none, but... Yeah, well, and that's why I just, I don't like Thor... Because it's just, there's nothing there. It's like, oh, ho-hum. Because oh. he's nigh invulnerable. Because he's mm-hmm. essentially, what, a, a god when he's on the planet. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, but, I mean, they kind of just set everything up. Because Branna starts the movie like it's Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> with that giant prologue. And then, like, here's Asgard. And it's just this glitzy CGI universe. And, and then they just... ran out of money. And they <laughs> went to the desert. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Hannibal Lecter running the whole show. It's just very weird uh, on many levels. Idris Elba is wasted as Heimdall. I, I... Well, what movie is he in that he's not wasted, typically? He's got uh-huh. an unfortunate yeah. career to arc. And then Natalie Portman, can she do a convincing relationship? Like, in any movie? I would say uh, The Professional. The Professional. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Mila Kunis, yeah, yeah. When when uh, Mila Kunis goes down on her in Black Swan, I bought that. <laughs> Is that a thing? I haven't seen that one. I was like, yep, 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 yep. That's the ballerina one, right? Yeah, it's the one you don't need to watch except for, you know, what I just said. 
because otherwise it's it's fucking stupid. But that relationship I totally bought. Yeah. Okay. So they made Thor and we're all kind of going, oh shit, they're going to like crash and burn. And now we have to somehow endure Captain America, who is also an inherently cheesy character. And this movie comes out. When Captain America throws his mighty And it is my favorite of the bunch, excluding the first Iron Man. Because this is the same guy who made another one of my favorite comic book movies, The Rocketeer. He absolutely got the period fucking spot on. Perfect There was lots of... Lots of crazy comic booky type stuff with Red Skull and uh, uh, Hydra, but otherwise, he yeah, he got it right. And they had that that great Alan Menken song, the Star Spangled Man with a Plan that they put in the yeah. montage scene. Yeah. Well, I like it because it's basically just uh, a series of vignettes that are exactly like the newsreels that you would get in the day, and they really get into the spirit of how this is all about the propaganda aspect of superheroedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I thought that's and and, that, and everything that I've read about the movie when people are doing reviews and whatnot, nobody seems to really touch on that very much. I think it went way under the radar because everybody talks about again how cheesy it is because it's so earnest. And so all American, but it's like, no, you don't, this is basically all about the propaganda war. Uh, and that's what the Marvel universe essentially works out to be is that they have to, yeah. to put on the face for the crowd, that there's all this back backstage stuff going on. And that to me, what is what drives Captain America. It's only, it's not really an action movie. I think it holds up in part because it's a period piece. Like this one, you can watch at any time. It's fun. It's colorful. It's not grim, dark. They take this earnest guy, and they got the absolute perfect actor to sell it. I like that Captain America is also the only one who believes in, like, a single combat warrior. Even once they make him Captain America with that process, the army doesn't see any value in it. They're like, okay, we got one guy. Who cares? And that's why he becomes a propaganda machine, because no one else believes one man can make a difference, and that's what captain america is all about have you ever seen the 1990 movie version that yes uh, yes menachem golan did <laughs> oh god yeah a secret experiment gave one man the strength of a hundred the rest of the world is just codenamed captain america and the power to save millions i just watched it just for for this because i i totally forgot it uh and i remember when i saw it and i was I was so angry and I felt so gypped that Red Skull, as Red Skull, was only in it for like the first 10, 15 minutes or whatever. Right. Even though it was so poorly done. I mean, it's just obviously prosthetics and it just looks stupid, but I felt so cheated. The other thing is that Red Skull isn't a guy who wears a human mask over his Red Skull. Red Skull's a guy who wears a Red Skull mask. That's not, no, that's his head. No, it's his face. Yeah, now, but I mean, initially, Red Skull, and, you know, that's, you know, in the the World War II Golden Age version, it's a guy wearing a mask. I gotcha. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I think this is a new iteration. I think it's funny that the Golden Globus one would also, you know, make him actually have a Red Skull head. Yeah, it's just so awful. I just needed to bring it up because I think most people aren't going to remember that it exists, but it is on YouTube, and so 
find it and watch it and it makes a great double feature with the original fantastic four <laughs> i watched i did just watch the documentary about that one too called yeah. doomed oh. uh, basi- basically it's just the, the fan the corman fantastic four is is essentially a million dollar write-off so they could keep the rights yeah to make oh. the better movie later on but they didn't yeah. tell anybody that was involved with making it oh that's such a dick move i watched a different version of that documentary and it's called season four of arrested uh, development and in it, <laughs> basically, Ron Howard makes uh, uh, a Fantastic Four, or no, tries to get a Fantastic Four musical made to retain the rights or something like that. But yeah. So the the one thing about Captain America that I didn't like is that they didn't leave it where he was crashed in the ice or whatever. They revived him and got him all the way to the modern day by the time the movie was over. And I, I didn't want them to. I kind of wanted to, to see Captain America's adventures in the past, even though I know that that's just not the character. But it, it, I was so enjoying that well, movie. It was a disappointment. Well, yeah. I mean, that's basically the whole point of that was to just get out of the origin story so that you could bring him into the Marvel. Avengers. Yeah. yeah. And, and put him in the Avengers. But that's just the, the burden of Captain Uncle Sam. I mean, you just have to get him his story and then freeze him so that you can actually plunk him in to the modern era. So let's talk about, before we get to Avengers, let's talk about the end credit scenes that get us to Avengers. So Marvel movies really popularized this idea that there was, I mean, we've seen it before, you know, there's plenty of Ferris Bueller had a, had an end credits tag. Um, but the Marvel movies really used those to, to build the hype for the Avengers and to, and to say, no, we're really doing this. It really is ingenious marketing. And to piss off movie theater ushers everywhere. <laughs> yes. Having had to do good. that job, trying to clear a fucking movie theater when everybody is still sitting in there waiting for a dumbass and get out so I can clean up all your popcorn mess, you pigs. <laughs> but, and the other good part is that it, it, it's not even the Marvel movies. I mean, I've been to other flicks where people basically, when the credits roll, they're not moving. Because yeah. I think they're just Marvel has trained us all to think, oh, there's a stinger mm-hmm. coming. You got to wait for it, even though it's like a fucking drama. They've trained me to get out my phone and look up whether there is a stinger <laughs> before the movie starts, <laughs> so I know whether to do that. Well, when Iron Man first came out, I mean, this is we hadn't all been trained for this yet, and so mm-hmm. I I bolted. The credits are rolling. I'm like, well, I got to take a leak. I got to get out of here. And then I got home, and that's when I started because my my thing is to typically read reviews after I see the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I started poking around and that's when I started reading all this stuff about, oh, you had to stick around for the end credits. And I thought, oh, fuck. So then when I watched it on DVD again, I waited. But they put that thing at the very, very, very fucking end. So you have to sit through all of the the Mm -hmm. effects guys. You got to sit through all the music. You got to sit through all the stunts. You got to sit through. I mean, it's literally like six minutes. the animals were harmed. Yeah. We've shot most of it in Canada. The fucking craft services, the Tunisian unit, Colt Seavers. Shot on Kodak. You get like two lines of dialogue. Uh, Yeah. And then you're like, oh, and then it literally is like a 20 second scene with Sam Jackson in an eye patch saying something about Avengers. It's like, what? But he shut down Jarvis. Jarvis was talking and and Nick Fury just magically shuts down Jarvis and says, yeah, Avenger initiative. Jarvis. Welcome home, I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world? 
Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. <laughs> so that's that's the Iron Man one. And then in, in Hulk, um, not only does Tony Stark come in, talk to Ross, and say they're putting a team together, but he references the Super Soldier program. Yeah. You know, I hate to say I told you so, General, but that Super Soldier program was put on ice for a reason. So they were tying Hulk to Captain America there. But I think also they were intimating that what they were working on with Hulk was an extension of them trying to make the Captain America serum again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I actually thought that was kind of, uh, that was subtle, but I liked it. Iron Man 2 was one of the lamest ones. That was where Coulson found Thor's hammer in the desert. Yeah. So we found it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even get tingly on that. Hammer! It's a hammer! <laughs> look! Look at the hammer! Meow, meow. Oh my god, it's a ham. How many years do I have to wait to find out what happens with Hammer? <laughs> <laughs> the end credit scene on Thor is a total Avengers setup. Totally. Um, this is Nick Fury has Selvig in the underground base that he will be in in the beginning of the Avengers, and he shows him the Tesseract, and Loki uh, somehow sees that. What is it? Power, Doctor. If we can figure out how to tap it. Maybe unlimited power. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Yeah, yeah. that one's the dumbest one. Yeah, that one is the dumbest one. That's the one, dumbest yeah. one. That's basically, that's basically, you know, okay, we're going to have this great big teaser thing. I'm going to use the word Avengers, and now I'm going to lead you into the part-time job you're going to have at the beginning of it. And otherwise, it's of no importance. Having, having not seen the Avengers, there was no context. I saw that the, with Thor, and I'm like, what? Huh? Why is the Loki able to see in the reflection? What's with the blue glowy cube? What? All I could think about was this movie just ended like two minutes ago, and Loki just disappeared into a black hole, and now three minutes later, he's back. Which they don't ever explain. They never explain It just that. all seems very perfunctory at times. They get a little lazy. Uh, so I would agree with Eric on that one. I think this one is really just the least favorite one because it's just so meh. And then the one at the end of Cap is literally a scene from the Avengers where he's punching the punching bag and Nick Fury shows up. Trouble sleeping? You here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. Which Joss Whedon apparently ripped off from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some episode with Buffy training and hits it so hard that it knocks it off. So is that is that a ripoff if you're ripping off yourself? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Because the guy from Creedence Clearwater Revival got sued for uh, uh, stealing his own music. (laughs) (laughs) We finally reached the point where we can talk about the Avengers. And I got to say, going into it, I had never even heard of the Avengers as a comic book thing. I didn't know that there was a team up. I didn't care. Really? So there had been all of this hype about the Avengers. I didn't have any context for it. There's a great Patton Oswald bit. I, I'll find it and I'll, I'll attach it so you can slip it in here over me saying this right here now. But he talks about how uh, the Avengers are lame. You know, why don't you go join them? They, they let in a guy with a bow and arrow. They have a, hey, they have a guy with a bow and arrow. I'm not kidding. They, what are they, recruiting at sporting goods stores? Or Hey, you jump rope really fast. How'd you like to be an Avenger? <laughs> so, Eric, what was your first experience with the actual Avengers movie then? 
Uh, that was a work thing. I, I had a boss who's like the most horrible human being in the world. And he he was way into these things. And he decided we were going to have like a, a, a field trip day to go to the movies to see you know this thing. And I was like, well, I'm not at work. So we all go to see the movie. And I thought, yeah, it was really good. I hate my boss. And I went home. <laughs> Chris, how about you? What was your Well, thing? I knew of the Avengers because I'm a big fan of John Steed and Emma Peel. And so... <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> no, I read other like comics, so I read a lot of Doom Patrol in the early 90s, which was a, which was a Marvel team-up. I think it's Marvel. Maybe it's DC. I don't know who cares. But it's, it's a, one of those weird superhero team-ups, and that kind of led me to the X-Men and then the Fantastic Four. And, and at one point I'd seen something about the Avengers. So I knew it existed, but not being a comic guy, I didn't really know, but I had seen all of the phase one stuff up to that point, And I just knew it was going to be a team up. So I went, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll try it out. It was, eh, it was fun. Again, the, my, my issue with these movies is not that they're poorly made. It's that they're like McDonald's. You know, McDonald's is salty and tastes kind of good, but if you eat it every day, you die. You know, it's like they the Marvel movies are basically flavorless and the same thing over and over again and really give you nothing new. You don't necessarily have to learn from your entertainment, but if it's nothing but this, oh yeah. God, you got to be really Well, I bored. remember people just getting really excited because Joss Whedon was doing it. And to, to be honest with you, that didn't really matter at all to me because I like Firefly, but I never watched Buffy, so I didn't really care. Right. And then when you get into the movie, he's got all these weird camera choices that still jar me from time to time, like all these weird like Dutch angles and, and sharp angles and things like that. Like when he, yeah, when he does the rota- rotating camera over the group and it stops with the camera upside down. And I, I remember thinking why yeah yeah so i went to this expecting not much having seen thor having seen captain america and being like okay three star movies i fucking love this movie the avengers is the reason i i'm really digging the marvel universe uh i love it way better than iron man uh this is by far my favorite of all of the marvel cinematic universe movies to date uh, we went in and it just was nothing but fun. Uh, the audience was totally digging it. We left the theater and the whole theater was wall to wall people. There was like an incredible amount of energy. We were like ready to go right back and see it again. I haven't felt like that since like Empire Strikes Back in the theater. Uh, this movie works for me on every level. I love it. Uh, so I guess I'm the only one, but. <laughs> Well, don't don't, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike it, and that's probably the one that I've seen yeah. the most because, well, again, it's on every day on cable. But it's all I don't mind it. I mean, I I can I sit like down it. and watch it. I do. I, I do like it, but I I also think the whole fucking train probably should have stopped here. I I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I I don't know how you top this movie, and I don't think they have the script is so efficient. I want to talk about this because. He manages to pair every character off with every other pairs. He gives every hero a one-on-one scene with the villain. Yeah. Um, he manages to bang all the characters together like a kid with his toys. Um, every scene 
pays off. He does a caught on purpose, though. Come on. The caught on purpose is terrible. But you get the, my favorite line in the entire thing is when uh, Black Widow is talking to Loki and he's trying to get under skin and he just says this left field out of nowhere uh, phrase. He calls her a mewling quim. This is my bargain, you mewling quim. And that to, <laughs> yeah, and that that to was... this day, every time I hear it, I'm like, I, what the hell is, what is he talking about? It just, it's very dis- disturbing to me because I have no, I still have no idea what it means. I assume it's some sort of uh, vagina reference, but I can't really tell you <laughs> this is this is the movie where black widow gets her superpower which is making people think Shooting things nah, making people think she's vulnerable <laughs> when she's not making people well, think they have the upper hand when she does you're a monster <laughs> oh no you brought the monster so banner that's your play what Loki means to unleash the Hulk. Keep Banner in the lab. I'm on my way. She does it twice in this movie. All you need to know about Black Widow is that she's got red in her ledger. It's really not that complicated. I got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. I've been compromised. I got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. Can you wipe out that much red? Your ledger is dripping. It's gushing red. That's all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and she can do a she can do a, a somersault flip tied to a chair. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, here's what's interesting. I found this online. This is the actual amount of screen time in the Avengers for each of the main heroes, from most to least. So, Captain America is in it for 37 minutes and 42 seconds total. Iron Man is 37 minutes one second. Black Widow is 33:35. The Hulk is 28:03. Thor 2552 and then Hawkeye is like 1244 <laughs> and that tells you everything you need to know about Hawkeye and how unimportant he is this entire uh, enterprise. He isn't even a hero really in this one he's he's a zombie yeah. you know being controlled by the Mind Stone or whatever. Yeah. Nobody cares nobody cares dude. And in the end he says things like they don't turn very well. You know the <laughs> phrase is they don't bank for a damn I'm glad you're here for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just shooting, and then he's shooting arrows. I think somebody did a count, and through the entire Avengers, he shoots 24 arrows or something. Yeah, isn't he going to run out at some so point? So when you look at the big final battle, it's like you go up in, on the top of a building with a quiver full of arrows, and then at some point you're going to run out, right, dude? So yeah. what's your deal? Like, is that your superpower? I run out didn't, of arrows? Didn't Jeremy Renner actually <laughs> make fun of that in a Saturday Night Live sketch? Who was like Probably. talking about how he's going to run out of arrows? How many arrows did you bring? All of them, like eleven. Eleven? Eleven? There, there are a hundred thousand aliens out there, and I killed eleven of them. You're welcome. He also had the arrow that hacks the computer on the helicarrier. Yeah, which which is ridiculous. Uh, and then the one that's the the grappling claw when he and it, miraculously that's the last one that he uses to jump off the building. He never seems to run out. No, somehow. This movie is is the one where, I mean, say what you will about the chest hair, but the Hulk got to be fun because he didn't have to be the main character, I think. But the Hulk and Thor fight is one for the ages. There is the scene where he hulks out uh, during the the invasion at the end. But um, the Hulk gets the two best moments, the, the sidearm Thor punch and the puny god thwacking of Loki. Yeah. Um, well, again, that's that's fan service. Yeah, it's fucking great. You have to put that in there or people are not going to be happy. 
it made me want a real Hulk movie. It made me wish that there would be a real Hulk movie. And now that uh, I see the previews for uh, Thor Ragnarok and I see that they're basically marrying it to uh, Planet Hulk, Hulk, which is one of the best books. Read that one if you're going to read a Hulk book. There's a shot at a really good Hulk, but, you know, that that what's his name? Sleepy time has to play uh, Banner (laughs) is really... Well, I had read somewhere, too, that he's got the line, Ruffalo is Bruce Banner, when they're talking about Loki, and he says, you can smell crazy on him. And apparently there was a whole sequence yeah. where that's how Hulk finds Loki, because there was a scene where Loki splits into all his holographic uh, entities, and you can't tell which mm. is which. And that was how Hulk <laughs> was going to find him, because he was going to be able to smell Loki. That would have yeah. been good. And then Tom Hiddleston, like, standing there all smirking, and, and his face slowly going, um... Um, wait a minute, why isn't this working? Is this huge <laughs> yeah. green thing pounces yeah. on him? This movie did a lot of things that we criticize. It it did the disaster porn. It does the sky beam. It did the caught on purpose plot. And it got away with all of them. And I think the reason it did, and maybe this is the reason I'm so uh, big on it, it was so much fucking fun. And we had been having the grim dark thing, especially because of Dark Knight uh, being so big and... And just everything has been so bleak and so cynical. And this movie just came out of the gates going, or we could make fun movies. And I was like, yes, this movie will be a hit. And then more fun movies will happen. And that's kind of, that's kind of panned out. A little bit. No, no, you haven't seen Ultron. <laughs> you, that wasn't fun. Oh my God. That was shit. Uh, I watched that one because it's, again, that's, it's been on. They finally premiered it on the, the cables. Uh, so uh, literally there was, I think Friday night, you could, you could turn to one channel and the Avengers was on and you could turn to another and age of Ultron was on and you can kind of flip back and forth, which I don't recommend anybody do, but I was catching up on age of Ultron and it struck me that it's, it's just basically a glitzed up version of lawnmower man. I assume we'll do a phase two show at some point. Presumably tear into that. Yeah, there aren't there aren't enough podcasts talking about the Marvel <laughs> universe. We've got to we've got to do our job. goddammit, uh, it, you know. <laughs> look, the three of us can't talk to each other outside of recording the podcast because at some point we're just going to run out of shit to talk about, and it's going to be three middle aged dudes, you know, complaining about you know what they had for dinner this week. Yeah. So you know, Marvel movies <laughs> are a thing to talk about until then. Well, then to to go over the phase one, so that's the three origin stories: Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, do. Thor, Captain Uncle Sam, and the Avengers. Uh, so right. that's phase one. So who's your favorite villain? Oh, mm. Let me see if I can remember any of them. They all um, suck. Loki wins by default. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah, you have to say Loki, just because he's the only one that's yeah. interesting, frankly. He's the only one who's smart. I would say Red Skull is a close second for me, uh, just because he's fun. And the fact that I, I like Darnum Zola better than Red Skull. <laughs> uh, well, well, the, but the the Red Skull too—they blasted him into a black hole somewhere, just like they did with Loki in Thor. So at some point they could bring Red Skull back. We don't know. Uh, but the fact that they got Hugo Weaving to play him, uh, I really want to see more of that because he he makes a really good bad guy. Yeah, um, but yeah, worse, I didn't like his Red Skull. I thought it, I thought it was boring well it was disappointing so would you say that what's the worst villain then oh ironmonger that's sort of where i was heading my worst villain actually when i was thinking about it is actually stark's conscience Ah. i really get tired of that trope so 
Maybe that's overthinking it. I would have said the blonde reporter in the second one who keeps getting salty with him, but still has sex with him. Not a very good villain move. Well, she's the she's the wife from Talladega Nights, so cut her some slack, bro. Right, right. Who's your favorite hero of the bunch? That's the other thing. Of just phase one? Yeah, that's all we're talking about today is phase one. I'm going to go with Chris Evans as Captain America because he took a character I didn't like and completely changed my my opinion of him. Okay. Eric? Hulk smash. I like <laughs> Iron Man Tony Stark because he's literally the only one in the entire bunch that has any sort of actual arc. Like the arc reactor in his chest? or just, uh... <laughs> Yeah. I'm keeping it low key. You know, okay. low key. And then my least, my least favorite is Thor just because <laughs> it's really, it's, I, I tire of the, the, suit, the invulnerable characters they just there's nothing interesting about them or the weak premise that in olden times this <laughs> yeah. kind of shit would have looked like magic yeah. oh fuck but we you just, we live on another planet and we watch over all yeah. the other planets because we're you're only a few yeah and then only a few years later you've got dr strange well doesn't he use magic oh no it's like um the source code yeah. for the universe well, you know computers I think we've pretty much beaten this to death. Yeah. It's uh, going to be another long podcast, it looks like. Uh, so let's wrap it up. Any final thoughts? No, but I've got a final segment I'd like to introduce this show. Uh, it's a new thing we're doing called What Would We Like to Do to Donald Trump? This week, we're going to tie him down to the ground, and then we're going to take one of those camping toilet things and put it over his face, and then we're going to get 10 people with the runs to squat one out over his head so that he drowns in, like, burbling, gurgling shit. Ah, blah, blah, man, you can't do this to me. I'm going to wait for a solar eclipse, and then I'm going to make him stare at it with no protective glasses <laughs> whatsoever. I'm going to remove him from the presidency. <laughs> You're uh-huh. so practical, Brian. Okay, and the winner is the winner is the shit. My idea. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we'll try have another round of this next week. Just in uh, case it wasn't uh, obvious, this is a no fascist zone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And that about does it for episode 14 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at MagHuge. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash magnificentlyhuge. And you can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Please don't forget to go into your podcast apps and give us those reviews. Help us build our audience because we're coming back next week. That's right, next week we'll be back with another exciting episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Until then, for Chris and Eric, this is Brian saying, Excelsior! Excelsior!